Welcome back to your therapy tools. Today's episode is focusing on stress. What does stress do to our bodies? What is good stress? What is bad stress? And how can we de-stress ourselves? So stress affects us in a lot of ways. And there is such a thing as positive stress. So you might be stressed out when you have to get up and perform in front of a bunch of people. Maybe maybe you're performing a musical instrument. Uh, maybe you're performing in a play. Maybe you have to get up and do a presentation at work. This stress is healthy because it motivates you to key into your knowledge, to key into your skill and perform at your very best. And the result afterwards is a sense of accomplishment, usually. Sometimes the result is that we got a little too nervous, we were a little too stressed out, and we made a fool of ourselves, or so we think. So a healthy level of stress is something we can thrive on, and a lot of type A personalities People who like everything in order, they're always on time or early, they cannot leave a project unfinished. People with a type A personality tend to thrive on stress because it motivates them and it energizes them. They get a list of tasks that have to be done in a certain amount of time and they get into this laser-focused mode and they get everything done. So if you're a type A personality, you might thrive on that kind of positive stress. If you're a type B personality, the more laid back person who can start a project and leave it for a long time before they get back to it with no worries. If you're the type of person who you'll try to work smarter, not harder, you'll um, get things done as well as you can, and if you don't get them all done, oh well, there's always tomorrow. You're more laid back. Um, Stress might have a little bit of a different effect on you. You may not thrive on it. You may not like it much. And if you had a traumatic childhood, anything could have happened in your childhood that caused you to feel less than or unimportant, or invalidated, or maybe like you didn't have a voice, stress is going to affect you in the worst way. It is going to be a huge detriment. Even the healthy levels of stress that are motivational, unless you grew up to be a type A person, um, you're not going to handle stress well. And I've been focusing on DBT skills most recently in this podcast and DBT skills are fantastic for combating stress because it teaches us how to regulate our emotion, how to accept the situation, the reality of the situation without trying to change it. It helps us to accept people without trying to change them because we know we cannot change other people. We can only work on ourselves. And stress is a huge factor in a lot of job situations. I remember an internship that I had, and I won't name any names, but 
I was working at, um, I was assigned at four different elementary schools every week. They were the same four schools every week. And each school had a caseload of around 30 children. I would say an estimate median of of about 30 children each school. So three times four, or 30 times four, and one intern. Think about that. And each session ranged from 30 to 45 minutes. And I would go to each school when the school opened around 7.30 a.m. And I would leave those schools around 3, 2 or 3 p.m. And then I would head back to the office and complete mountains and mountains of paperwork. And I was expected to see every child on my caseload every week. (laughs) So, needless to say, I was called into the main office several times and questioned as to why I'm not seeing all these children. And now when I was called into the office, I would have to not go into one of the schools depending on the day, right? So they would call me into the office. They would have piles of files stacked on these tables and they would go through them one by one and critique everything that I did. And they would ask me why I had not seen certain children. One of the rules as an intern therapist at a school, one of the main rules is that the parents have to sign a permission slip in order for me to see that child after the initial appointment. So I could see them one time and we could figure out what they wanted to work on and what was going on with them. And then... I would have the teachers send home a permission slip. I would send a permission slip with the child themselves. And I was even told that I should stand outside with the child and when the parent picks them up, hand them the permission slip in their car. Um, It was a lot. It was a very stressful job. And myself and all of the other interns that worked there experienced very high levels of stress, very high levels of negative stress. So... The outcome of that was a lot of the interns developed health issues. They developed mental issues such as depression, anxiety, and just panic at times. And the health issues that that arose were causing them to have to miss work and go to the doctor. And anytime you didn't show up at one of the schools, even if the office called us, to audit us, um, they would tell us that was our fault. So it was a very stressful job. And, um, I remember telling my supervisor at one point, Oh, I've been in an abusive relationship. I know how this works. I will deal with it. And I remember he looked at me with shock on his face and he said, don't think of it as an abusive relationship, Liz. Think of this as mental health boot camp. And once you complete this internship, you'll be able to handle any job anywhere because it will be a piece of cake after this. And he was right. He was right. But I still think of it as an abusive relationship because they expected us to be superhuman. 
and it was tough. It was super stressful. So we all developed some, some stress-related health issues, stress-related mental issues. We were all in therapy as we were doing therapy. We were all going to the doctor repeatedly. And I'm sure some of you out there can relate to how stress affects the body and the mind when it's negative stress. So positive stress motivates you to do a great job. It helps you to feel productive when you complete your tasks. And negative stress, it could be a fight with with a family member. <coughs> Excuse me. It could be something like you're stuck in traffic. It could be that somebody you love is very sick. It could be a really abusive internship. Whatever whatever the case, if you experience stress over a prolonged period of time, then we're looking at chronic stress. So chronic stress is where the health issues begin. So even short-lived minor stress can have an impact. You might get a stomach ache before you have to do a presentation in front of the room. You might get a migraine when you're getting ready for work. More major acute stress, whether it's caused by a fight with your spouse or something like an earthquake, terrorist attack. Uh, Maybe you're experiencing great concern over climate change or you're stressed out and upset over something political. Maybe you're afraid we're going to go to war with Russia. That is a pretty stressful thought. So that has a bigger impact on us. Um, Multiple studies have shown that sudden emotional stresses, especially anger, can trigger heart attacks, arrhythmia, and even sudden death. And even though this happens mostly in people who already have heart disease, some people don't know they have a problem until major stress causes a heart attack or something worse. So when stress begins to detract from your quality of life, that's when it is more dangerous. The longer the stress lasts, the worse it is for your body and your mind. You might feel a lot of fatigue. You might have a lot of aches and pains. You might be unable to concentrate. You might be very irritable and have a short fuse. Chronic stress causes wear and tear on your body as well as your mind. So stress can make existing problems worse. There was one study that showed that about half of the participants saw really good improvement in chronic headaches after learning how to stop the stress-producing habit of catastrophizing. You remember what catastrophizing is from the Stupid Thoughts worksheet, right? I think it's episode one in this podcast, Stopping Stupid Thoughts. Catastrophizing, not only is it a fun word to say, but it's a huge, major, major cause of stress. So... Constantly thinking negative thoughts 
about your pain, whether that pain is emotional or physical, um, has a major impact on your body and your mind because it is very stressful. Our stressful thoughts, our own stressful thoughts and behavior can kill us as well as environmental stress and stress generated by others. It can literally kill you. It can give you major health issues. Chronic stress can also cause disease such as cancer, overeating and obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure. And if you're stressed out and you smoke cigarettes or marijuana to calm yourself down, you're going to start having issues with your lungs and your circulation and other areas, your, your dental, dental hygiene, that kind of thing. Job strain, high demands, coupled with low decision-making latitude, a low tolerance for stress, that's associated with increased risk of coronary disease or other forms of chronic stress such as depression and low levels of social support have also been the cause for increased cardiovascular risk. And once you're sick, stress can also make it harder for you to recover. So imagine if, if you're very stressed out and you get COVID. It'll take you longer to recover and you'll probably get a little sicker than other people. If you're really stressed out and depressed and you get cancer or cardiovascular disease or uh, any range of diseases and ailments, it'll be really hard for you to recover. Your immune system is lowered when you're under a lot of stress. So what can you do? What can you do to help that? What can you do to make a difference? This, this feels like a really good place to take a break, so let me take a quick break. Okay, what can you do? You can identify what is causing the stress in your life. Monitor your state of mind throughout the day. If you feel stressed out, write it down in your journal. Write down what's causing it. Write down what your thoughts are regarding it. Write down how it escalated and how you were able to calm yourself down. Write down reasonable expectations for yourself and others or asking for help with household responsibilities, job assignments, or other tasks. Remember to use dear man. Be, be kind and considerate and use dear man to get your needs met. Okay, so list all of your commitments and assess those priorities. You want to prioritize that list and eliminate anything that is not absolutely necessary. Break it down, shrink it down to what has to be done now. And I want you to make sure that you're adding in some mindful moments in there. Make sure you're adding in little breaks between those tasks that have to be done. Build strong relationships. That can be such a source of stress if your relationships are not strong and supportive. Research has found that negative hostile reactions with your spouse can cause immediate changes in your stress-sensitive hormones. Um, 
For example, relationships can also serve as stress buffers. Reach out to family members or close friends. Let them know that you're having a tough time. Get the support that you need. They may be able to offer some assistance and support, useful ideas, or just a fresh perspective. And that's something I've talked about too, is if you are having ruminations and negative thoughts, I want you to stop and write down your negative thought and then write down three to five other perspectives of the same thought and try to put yourself in a positive person's shoes. What would a positive person say about the situation? And how could you turn that around? I want you to look at things multifaceted, okay? Look at things with a few different perspectives and it helps to reach out and get somebody else's perspective sometimes. Walk away when you're angry. Walk away. Take a time out. Don't stand there and continue to fight and fight and fight and escalate it further to where your heart is pounding and the veins are pulsing out of your neck and forehead and you're sweating and your jaw is tight. You want to give your body and your mind a break when things get too heated and it's okay to take a time out and use the stop skill, use the tip skill, get yourself regulated, get yourself ready in wise mind to come back and sit down and calmly assess the situation. Reset your mind. According to the American Psychological Association's 2012 Stress in America survey, Stress keeps more than 40% of adults lying awake at night. So to help ensure you get the recommended 7 to 8 hours of sleep, cut down on caffeine. Remove distractions like your TVs, computers, and phones from your bedroom. Go to bed at the same time every night. Create a nice bedtime ritual. Read a book to wind down. Have a cup of chamomile tea. Check out melatonin if, if it's okay with your doctor and it does not contra, uh, there are no contraindications with your medication, so it won't clash with whatever you're taking now. Make sure you check into that first, but you could definitely try those things out. Research shows that activities like yoga and relaxation exercises not only help reduce stress, but they also boost immune function. So getting enough sleep getting those mindful moments, all of that is very helpful in reducing stress. And get help. Get help. You have so many resources available. If you are constantly overwhelmed, talk to a psychologist or a therapist who can help you learn how to manage your stress effectively. And a psychiatrist could also be helpful in uh, prescribing a medication that could temporarily help you calm down and focus and focus on the therapy tools that you're learning and then you can wean yourself off of that medication if if you want to. Um, some people, the stress is so high and so persistent on a daily basis and so severe that they almost need the medication to function. But you also want to be aware of addictive states of mind. Sometimes we can get addicted to what feels good, you know, so be careful. 
make sure you do your research on the medication and the side effects and make a very informed decision and discuss it with a psychiatrist or your doctor. So I've compiled a lot of information and and this is uh, a newsletter from Ben E. Benjamin, PhD. And I really like this one. This talks about how stress affects the body. And um, the headline here is automatic pilot. So in order to understand how stress affects the body, we need to look at the nervous and endocrine systems. Our nervous system is divided into two parts. The somatic system, which has to do with consciousness, intelligence, and decision-making. And the auto automatic nervous system, which functions as our automatic pilot. The autonomic nervous system, or ANS, controls the basic process that keeps us alive, all hidden below our level of consciousness. So the beating of your heart, the acidity in your stomach, the amount of sugar in your blood, they are all regulated by the autonomic nervous system. And that leaves you time to do more interesting things like read this article. (laughs) He has a sense of humor. I like that. Some autonomic functions have a manual override option. So you can decide to blink your eyes or you can decide to take a deep breath. But these things usually happen whether you think about them or not. The autonomic nervous system is also divided into two parts, sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system helps us to respond to stress, like a near miss on the highway or a demanding boss, while the parasympathetic nervous system helps us to recover from stress. These components of our automatic pilot help us to sort out our responses to things that happen to us. The brain interprets a stimulus like a sharp pain or a soothing caress and creates a response in the body. For example, you will probably have a sympathetic response to a wasp stinging you. And the parasympathetic response is to a back massage. So the parasympathetic response is is like a back massage and the sympathetic response is like a sting from a wasp. So the sympathetic reaction would be something like, watch out, here it comes. It's the fight or flight branch of the nervous system. And it gets a lot of attention because we're all becoming more aware of how stress affects our lives. The sympathetic nervous system enforces stress on the body. It causes our heart to pound, our blood pressure to, to soar, and adrenaline to flood our system. In a sympathetic response, our muscles tense up for running or fighting. We get a dry mouth and an upset stomach. In short, we direct fuel and energy toward the large muscles and away from internal organs. Although it may seem like These are all bad things. They're really not. The responses give our body the best possible chance of survival in the face of physical danger. Without these lightning fast reactions to threats in our world, we could not survive. The problem begins when the sympathetic nervous system becomes normal. We're simply not designed to live that way. When we do, our bodies start to wear and tear faster and faster and become 
unnecessarily fragile. The fight or flight chemicals, they come out during a sympathetic reaction. Many different hormones are secreted by the adrenal glands, the two that have the greatest impact on every aspect of our health, from the chemistry of our blood to the tension in our muscles, are adrenaline and cortisol. Adrenaline reinforces the fight-or-flight reaction by giving you chemical orders all over the body to help you quickly react to a threatening situation. And remember, with anxiety, we have those perceived threats, right? We have a perceived threat that somebody is going to abandon us or somebody is judging us or that we're going to fail. Um, and that creates the exact same response as a near miss accident on the freeway or being chased by a lion. It's the same response in our body and our brain. Isn't that insane? So the effects of that on our body are horrible. And it says here that, um, cortisol, the stress hormone, is secreted by the adrenal glands in response to long-term stress. So if you are a chronically stressed out person, your body's flooded with cortisol and you're probably having a lot of issues with weight fluctuation, weight gain, and hard time losing weight, and lethargy, and fatigue, and not sleeping well. Cortisol's not a good thing in high doses like that consistently. It's commonly found in elevated levels in the blood under very chronic, chronically stressful situations. Patients in burn rehab hospitals have high levels of cortisol, as do those who are clinically depressed or experiencing high levels of anxiety on a daily basis. So when it when it lingers in your body for prolonged periods of time, cortisol has been seen to weaken many types of tissue, especially muscles, tendons, and ligaments, raising the risk of chronic back, neck, and other injuries. It also suppresses your immune system, making it more difficult for you to heal when you are injured and making you more vulnerable to getting sick. But when it is secreted in moderation, Cortisol is actually beneficial. It acts as a powerful anti-inflammatory. In fact, man-made versions of cortisol, also called cortisoid creams, cortisol creams, um, they're frequently prescribed to treat inflammatory conditions. However, if you're flooded with cortisol, you're you're flooded with inflammation. Isn't that weird? So there is a tendency to view both adrenaline and cortisol as dangerous and harmful, just as we tend to view the sympathetic nervous system as the source of all of our problems in this stressful world. But the fact is that these chemicals are not important to our health. They are important to our health. I apologize. It's true that when too much adrenaline or cortisol floods our system for a long time, we get seriously ill, we become vulnerable to pain and injury, but without these chemicals, we would also have serious problems. The human body works best in a constant shifting dynamic of balance. Too much or too little of anything throws us off balance. The parasympathetic nervous system would say something like, Woo, I'm glad that's over. So the sympathetic nervous system is designed to work in 
in connection with the mechanisms that help us to recover from our emergency mode. These mechanisms are under the control of the parasympathetic nervous system. This system, which is run almost entirely by one huge nerve dangling from your brain down to the chest and abdomen, undoes our fight-or-flight responses. It shows, it slows down our heart rate, it drops our blood pressure, it reroutes our blood back into our internal organs, and it contributes to an overall feeling of pleasure and well-being. These are all things people experience when they engage in stress-reducing activities like regular massages, daily exercise, yoga, meditation, and that wonderful deep breathing exercise I've talked about several times on here. So on a chemical level, the parasympathetic nervous system suppresses the release of adrenaline, cortisol, and other stress hormones to return us to a healthy stress response, as well as stimulating the secretion of other substances that improve and deepen our sleep. Something like melatonin, perhaps? It also strengthens our immune response and improves our resistance to injury and disease. Once again, all of these functions are important, but you can have too much of a good thing, remember. Without the sympathetic nervous system to provide balance, we would not have the alertness we need to drive a car, to play a sport, or even walk down the street. The balancing between the two is not a battle between good and evil. It is an ongoing, constant shifting from one state to another, always, we hope, in proportion to the kinds of stimuli that surround us. The only problem is the system was designed for people who lived around 40,000 years ago. Back when we were all hunter-gatherers, we could live for long periods with very little stress, or short periods with very high stress, like when you were being chased by a bear or a dinosaur. Our body is perfectly adapted for the lifestyle, but it's no longer how most people live. We've all been domesticated. Consequently, the average stockbroker has a stress response system that is better suited for running from a bear than losing $5 million on the exchange floor. Probably the greatest difference we have in the stressors we deal with today compared to our hunter-gatherer ancestors is that we look at paying rent, passing exams, or meeting a deadline in the same way that our ancestors saw attacking carnivores or the threat of a tribal famine. In other words, they dealt with physical stressors, but we deal primarily with psychological stressors. Our bodies go through all the same chemical, neurological changes that theirs did, but we don't have the physical outlets that help get rid of the stress-related chemicals that we secrete. Action, like running or fighting, helps the body to flush out and neutralize the stress hormones. So does therapeutic massage, as it helps the tissues to exchange waste products for fresh nutrients. It is these hormones, when they accumulate for prolonged periods of time, that make us seriously ill. So when I talk about getting that energy out, go for a fast-paced walk, go jog in place, do jumping jacks, um, sit in your chair and, and 
paddle your feet like you're on a bike or stomp your feet like you're running or marching, march in place. Um, do a physical action fast and hard for just a minute. Just get that energy out of you. And that's how that works. It causes your parasympathetic nervous system to kick in and say, okay, it's time to calm down. So does the deep breathing. So this is from Ben E. Benjamin, PhD, Muscular Therapy Sports Medicine Services. And he's from Cambridge, Massachusetts. He has a PhD in sports medicine and education. So that gives you a pretty good education on what stress does to our bodies and how it works, right? So if you are chronically stressed out and you're having a hard time managing that stress, or if you know somebody who's having a very difficult time managing stress, you're going to have to create a stress plan and come up with some coping strategies. Um, first and foremost, I recommend the deep breathing. I recommend yoga. I recommend DBT skills. So let's take another quick break. And I will be right back. Okay, the stress plan. Let's think about the four A's. We want to think about accepting, avoiding, altering, or adapting. And this is positive psychology. And it's from the uh, 2017 Wellness Coaches. And they are based out of Pennsylvania. These worksheets are awesome. So we have a stress management workshop that we are working from. Your stress plan. Accept. The first A. To accept a stressor. You can join a support group. You can take care of yourself physically. You can talk to a trusted friend. You can remind yourself of how you have coped with stress in the past times that it worked and think about using that tool again. To alter the second A, to alter a stressor, you turn off your email and instant messenger functions. If your workload feels overwhelming, you make a list of the most important tasks, prioritize and tackle what has to be done. If an upcoming doctor or dentist visit is stressing you out, talk to them beforehand and let them know you are very nervous. They can often explain the procedures to ease your mind or even prescribe a mild tranquilizer to help you through your appointment. The next, the third A is avoid. To avoid a stressor, avoid traffic by leaving early for work or taking public transportation or instead of taking the freeway, take the back roads. Oftentimes you'll find that it's a a beautiful nature out in the country, pretty, takes a little longer. You got to leave a little earlier, but sometimes it's worth it because you feel refreshed by the time you get to work. That was one of my tricks. Um, try to control the channel of communication with extremely difficult people. Stick to emails. For example, when you have time to compose your thoughts instead of being drawn into a verbal battle, you'll come across more clearly, hopefully using dear man skills and being 
assertive and kind and clear and direct. The fourth A, to adapt to a stressor. You ask yourself if you really want to spend energy being stressed out about this. Is this something you really have control over or is it something you should radically accept? Put the stressor into perspective by listing the positive things in your life. Will this stressor be important in one year from now? If not, you need to focus on letting go. When you bring when you begin to feel stressed, practice your deep breathing exercises or visualize yourself somewhere calm and relaxing. Use that imagery. And you want to use the stop skill so that you think before you react. Get yourself into wise mind. Make sure you don't just respond with your automatic negative thoughts that you respond with, okay? Stress management for the workplace. So this is going to help you kind of figure out what you need to work on. Do you have any of these physical symptoms? If you do, you are under a lot of stress and you need to develop a plan to help you combat the stress or balance it out, okay? If you have these physical symptoms, sleep pattern changes, fatigue, digestion changes like heartburn, diarrhea, IBS, loss of sex drive, headaches, infections, um, dizziness, fainting, sweating and trembling, tingling hands and feet, breathlessness, palpitations, or there's an area for other. Any other changes that you've noticed in physical uh, symptoms for yourself that are not pleasant. Um, Mental symptoms can include a lack of concentration, inability to focus, um, memory lapses, difficulty making decisions, feeling confused or disoriented, having anxiety and panic attacks. Behavioral symptoms can include changes in your appetite. You eat too much or too little. Maybe you're developing an eating disorder, you're binging, you're purging, or you're starving yourself. Um, Increased use of tobacco, alcohol, and drugs. Withdrawing from supportive relationships. You're restless, you're fidgeting, you're biting your nails or pulling your hair out. Um... Maybe you're experiencing bruxism, the teeth grinding thing. Um, And then emotional symptoms can include mood swings, lack of patience for anything, fits of rage, tearfulness, crying jags, um, inability to concentrate on anything. And um, you're you're not so concerned with your personal hygiene and appearance anymore. You're just kind of letting yourself go. Um, Those are all signs of stress, high stress. So let's identify some external stressors that can cause us to have our stress triggers pulled and go full force into stress mode. Identifying external and internal stressors and the warning signs will help you recognize 
all the stressors in your life so that you can explore how to cope with this the best way. So in your physical environment, do these things stress you out? Is there a lot of noise, bright lights or artificial lights, um, heat? Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Does it feel like it's a confined space? Are you feeling claustrophobic? In the workplace, do you have a high workload? Like my caseloads of 30 students per school times four each week. Um, do meetings stress you out? I, I remember hating work meetings. They were two hours long and it was just irritating. And they would just tell you stuff that you already knew. And then you had to listen to everybody say, I have a question. And they would drag it out and... It was stressful, and also the bosses would come in and chew us out, you know. So you have to sit and listen to that, listen to what a terrible employee you are when you're stressed out with a huge caseload and everything. Sometimes work meetings are just awful and stressful. Um, Other things in the workplace, certain deadlines that seem impossible. Um, Red tape, you know. Um, What about daily hassles? having to commute, losing your keys, having some family drama to deal with, or social interactions, rude people, bossy people, aggressive people, bullies, bullies in the personal life, bullies in the workplace, Um, major life events. Was there a birth, a death? Did you lose a job? Did you buy a new house? Did you get a promotion? Did you get divorced? Did you get married? And then identify internal stressors. So lifestyle choices. Are you taking in a lot of caffeine? Do you not get enough sleep? Are you making poor choices in your food? Are you eating unhealthy food? Are you having uh, experiencing an overloaded schedule where you've scheduled yourself way too much and you can't keep up? Are you experiencing um, negative automatic thoughts, negative self-talk, overanalyzing everything? Are you having a lot of unrealistic expectations, exaggerated thinking, rigid thinking, um, you know, that tunnel vision, I'm right, everybody else is wrong, don't talk to me, I'm not listening to you, um, You might be developing fears, phobias, fears of heights, fears of airplanes, fears of germs, fears of leaving your home, fears of COVID, um, fears of somebody in the opposite political party talking to you. Ah, I want to run away. (laughs) What other fears can you think of that you might be experiencing? So those are some of the things that could be triggering you and... It's time to jump into some mindfulness, which is a huge component of DBT. Um, Jump into some mindfulness. Do some mindfulness exercises. Um, And this worksheet defines mindfulness as the awareness that emerges through paying attention on purpose in the present moment, non-judgmentally, to the unfolding of experience with all five senses, moment by moment. 
In other words, mindfulness involves directing attention to the experience in the present moment and a non-evaluative observation of that experience. So if you need a refresher on mindfulness, go to the episode titled Mindfulness 101, and that gives a lot of great examples of how to be mindful and breaks it down. And just for a quick tip, if you usually brush your teeth with your right hand, try it with your left hand in the morning. Trust me, you'll be mindful, because if you're not... (laughs) You're going to have toothpaste all over your face and all over the mirror and all over the place. So um, using your opposite hand for a task such as brushing your teeth, uh, tweezing your eyebrows, or (laughs) even trying to write your name will cause you to be hyper-focused on what you're doing instead of just doing it on autopilot like you normally do. That will increase mindfulness. Also, uh, taking a bite of food and describing it to yourself. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? And how does it feel when you swallow it? How does the texture change? You just kind of describe every tiny little detail of that bite of food. And in that, in that few moments that you do that, you're being mindful and you'll notice that you're not ruminating on negative things. So quick tip on that. Definitely check out meditation. Meditation, um, it doesn't mean that you have to sit and and do the Buddhist meditations or or the Tibetan monks where you're like, om, and chanting and stuff like that. I know a lot of people start doing that, making fun of the idea of meditating. Meditating really just means you're, you're allowing your thoughts to come and go without attaching to them until you get to a point where your mind is just blank. And then you just kind of tell yourself, I love you. I am love. I love you. You can repeat a mantra like that. I am love. I love you. I love myself. I accept myself. And you get yourself into a feeling of peace. That's all it is. So sometimes it takes a lot of practice, especially if you have anxious thoughts and you're under high stress. It takes practice, 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 practice to be able to watch your thoughts come and go and allow your mind to just settle and clear and then begin to just repeat, I am, I am calm. I am peace. I am love. Choose whatever mantra you want and repeat it over and over. And if any thoughts break in, just say, I see you. I acknowledge you. I forgive you. You are released. So that's basically what meditation is. And when you're in that state of peacefulness, when you get yourself to that state of peacefulness and those positive feelings of love and peace and relaxation, your body actually heals. Your parasympathetic nervous system kicks in. You start to really heal in those moments. Even if you're only doing a five-minute mindfulness meditation technique. In that five minutes, it helps reduce pain. It helps increase immunity. The the list is endless, but try to practice it as much as you can. Okay. So mindfulness, healthy diet, healthy diet is tied to healthy mental health. Junk food is tied to depression, 
anxiety, anger issues. So this is scientifically proven. I know you don't want to hear this, but if you're eating a lot of Doritos and Oreo cookies and drinking a ton of Mountain Dew, um, it's not going to help your stress levels decrease. It will not help your anxiety and depression to decrease. It And actually those cravings are, are really driven by that cortisol for some reason. So try to be very mindful of your food choices. Make sure you're eating 80% healthy, 20% not healthy, or 70% healthy, 30% junk, or even better, 90% healthy, 10% junk food. So you can space out that junk food. Make it a treat. Make it a little treat. Don't make it your everyday go-to. So definitely you want to think about your diet. Make sure you're getting hydrated, you get enough electrolytes, look into um, different supplements like um, magnesium helps with restless leg syndrome and anxiety. Vitamin B is, is really good for elevating mood. So check, start researching vitamins for mental health. Start researching that and make sure you speak with your physician to ensure there are no contraindications with whatever medications you may be on at this time, okay? And another factor to reducing stress is practicing forgiveness. So this this worksheet has the REACH technique. And what does REACH stand for? Number one, the R in REACH is for recall, recall the hurt. You acknowledge that you are hurt You consciously decide to forgive and you avoid seeking revenge. The E is for empathize. Pretend the person who hurt you is sitting in front of you and talk to them. Fully explain how you feel. Once you've had your say, you change the roles. You talk back as if you are the other person explaining why they wronged you. This builds empathy. Even if you cannot empathize, this process can still help you move on. A is altruistic. So you offer an altruistic gift. Offer forgiveness as a gift to the other person. You can probably recall a time when you wronged somebody and the person forgave you. When you forgave, you offer the same gift to the person who hurt you. And the person who receives the biggest gift out of forgiveness, honestly, is you, not them. But it is a gift to not carry that anger for somebody else around anymore. It's like you're breaking a curse. You have been holding that anger, which puts negative, yucky energy out there towards that person. It's like putting a hex or a curse on them. So it is a gift because you're relinquishing and destroying the curse, the curse. And you know, um, if you curse somebody, you're cursing yourself. If you hate somebody, you're hating yourself. Um, so it is a gift. It's a gift for you and it's a gift for them to forgive. The C is for commit. Once you have forgiven, write a note to yourself. Today I forgave blank, whoever it is, for hurting me. 
and I'm committed to maintaining that forgiveness. And H, hold on to forgiveness. You might doubt that you've actually forgiven the person or find yourself becoming angry again or resentful again. And that's okay. Forgiveness is not a one and done activity. Sometimes it's a daily thing until eventually you stop obsessing over it. And then kind of like PTSD, it'll pop into your head now and then. And you'll say, yeah, I forgave. I forgive. I forgave. That's gone. So think about somebody that you would like to forgive. Use the reach technique and just give it a shot. And the worksheets here break down each letter in the word reach for forgiveness so that you can write down your experiences, write down anything that might challenge you, obstacles you might face. Did it feel good? Did it feel bad? Um, And if you would like these worksheets, I can definitely direct you on where to get them or I can send them to you because I have downloaded them as well. Um, So the reach technique for forgiveness. And I think that pretty much does it for today. Oh, I do have one more. I'll go through really quickly. And I'm not going to read all of it to you because it's huge. But if you would like a copy, let me know. I can definitely get it to you. Um, and this this is by uh, D.A. Thomas from 2011. 100 Ways to Reduce Stress. Make the balancing act more manageable. So 100 ways to reduce your stress. Between the 70 and 80% of all disease and illness are stress-related and the leading cause of death and lifestyle diseases. Stress-related. That's from an article in 2006. So environmental strategies. Light a scented candle. Bake some bread or cookies. Adjust the lighting so that it doesn't offend your eyes. Do some gardening. Um, Read in the sunshine. Go get barefoot in the grass. Or snuggle under a blanket with a book. Change your environment to be more comforting. And let's see. Cognitive strategies. So we could use some DBT. We could reframe the problem. We can choose to focus on the positives for the day. We can meditate with positive affirmations. Take responsibility and acknowledge your own thoughts. Have realistic expectations. Post affirmations on your mirror. Work on a puzzle. Creative strategies. Get yourself engaged in that journaling. Write a letter draw something, do a painting, start a new hobby, listen to nice relaxing music, go pet one of your animals, find a humorous, find something to laugh at, spiritual, pray, meditate, Um, and I'm running out of time. So outdoor strategies, sit on a park bench, Go listen to the crackle of a campfire. Go on a picnic. Go window shopping. Build a sandcastle. (laughs) Okay, so that concludes 
this episode on stress. And I'm so stressed out because I'm running out of minutes here. (laughs) Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope that today you recognize what stresses you out and you take the the steps to improve your tolerance and coping skills and improve your health because you are worth it. So go out there and stress less. Until next time, have a great day.